This is Professor Raymond Noby, Department of Ancient History, log entry number two. I believe I have made a significant find in the castle of Cantor. Having journeyed there with my wife, Henrietta, my daughter, Annie, and associate professor, Ed Gettler. It was in the rear chamber of the castle. We stumbled upon something remarkable. Once again, yes, the same shit yes every week. But I'll indulge you, you creepy English tart. I'm here for my weekly stash of teddy mags, my favorite choco bar in the whole wide world, Toblerone, and my lotto tickets. <gasps> Who got a shingle? I have one! This episode brings us to the state of Michigan, and the Indie Horror.TV anniversary party. What will be heard is a director's panel run by organizer Robert Poole that Astro Radio Z host Derek Carey was a part of with Tyler Schmidt, Dustin Mills, John Pada, and Matt Woodbury. Stick around after the panel. So Derek can talk to you about a few great films he's seen lately concerning the art and struggle of making independent, no-budget horror films. First being Bill Zebub's indie director and then Christopher Collar's director's cut. To keep up to date with the various projects of Derek Carey and Rabbit Child Films, follow him on Facebook and Twitter. Also, Follow Astro Radio Z on Facebook and the brand spanking new Tumblr page where you can find all the new episodes and a selection of some of the best classic Astro Radio Z shows of the past. Now, on with the show. So you never know what you're going to see during a director's chat. They are really off the cuff. You can ask anything. I've never had a director say they're not going to answer anything, which is pretty cool. And so it's very, very open and honest. And, and like I said, like with Felissa Rose, it's really you're bringing, you're coming to somebody's house. And they're giving you full-on honest answers. It's a really cool experience. Uh, we have these director's chats practically every Friday. So definitely check it out. It's worth it. Uh, so we're going to kind of conduct one of these right now, actually. So just uh, if we can get the license for a second, we're going to set up some chairs, and we'll start bringing people out. Our first director coming out from Nebraska, not Alaska, that is Tyler Schmid. <laughs> Dustin Mills, everybody. Everybody, John Pata. Derek Carey, everybody. <laughs> Come on up here. Yay! So I like to call up Matt Woodbury. That's Pop of Zero. It's a, a web series that we've actually been showing on our channel. And there are some local Michigan folks, too. They're from Flint. So we have, uh, we, we have a few of you here. Uh, not, uh, you know, there's uh, too many chairs. That's kind of a screw up on our end here. Cool. 
All right, so we've had, I think, almost all of you guys on for director's chats, not you yet. Um, so they kind of know the routine a little bit. Usually we have everybody in the audience. If you have any questions about any of the films, it's generally. <laughs> um, so if anybody can think of any questions they might have for directors in, in particular, uh, please, we're going to actually go and we'll have the mic and we'll come around to you. So just uh, raise your hand and we'll get to you. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to kind of throw out here, thanks, by the way, for everybody for showing up. We appreciate it. Uh, especially you from Alaska, because that's so far. Can <laughs> um, you see Russia from your house? Um, on a clear day, maybe. <laughs> so um, let's start off with a, a few different things. First of all, I'm going to kind of go half circle around um, and work my way around. And then if anybody else has any, anything, please please join on in. And actually, Janet, if you want to come over here and grab a mic, you can help out too. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not keeping her over there or nothing. Um, that's, a, that's what I do. I, I'm like, stay over there. Um, hey, so so Tyler, you work. Uh, you're actually finishing up remission right now. How long has uh, the process of putting that film together? I know you started talking to us uh, late last year, early this year, and kind of mentioned it at that point. How long has that project been ongoing? Um, well, okay. So last year in late September, early October, we started doing the. Midnight Frights Halloween feature. It's like a 22-minute uh, special. That so we were coming back from shooting like the last little bit of that, and we had this awesome, awesome location. We were it was given to us. I mean, like not given to us forever, but we were we had permission that we could shoot there whenever we wanted. And so we started just bouncing out around the idea. And um, Josh wanted to do something with just some maniac killer and people. You know, just a gore fest, and I was like, "No, we should do a story. We should actually have something that, have something with some substance." Nobody wants. What a novel idea, a story. So um, we both in, we both we both decided that it'd be a good idea to to do uh, to just turn it into kind of an, a zombie movie, but not quite really a zombie movie. It's more of a tragedy. So anyhow, um, I think I wrote a short synopsis maybe the first week of November last year. So here it is a year later, and we have the film. We're almost done with post-production. We just need to clean it up a bit and uh, chop off about half an hour. So it's kind of long. But um, we showed it last week in Grand Island, Nebraska, at a film festival for a bunch of our peers and uh, got a lot of good feedback, and we're just excited to get back at her and finish it up so we can show it for you guys. Sweet. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, we're looking forward to actually premiering it on the channel. It's... That's one of the neat things we get to actually have. We've been lucky to have a lot of films before, uh, sometimes even before they've even hit DVD, which is pretty insane. Um, so you're getting a chance to see new work as new as it gets, like straight off the editing table half the time. Um, that's usually pretty cool. Um, Dustin. Yes, sir. The Ballad of Skinless Pete just came out. You are a busy guy. How many films did you just make in this last, not just shorts, how many feature-length films did you make this year? Um, hold on. <laughs> Almost five, and then um, a couple of shorts. So five feature-length films. This guy doesn't spend any time with his girlfriend. Sorry, you don't get any time. That's not true. <laughs> and, it probably, and it probably makes it sound like I'm half-assing it, but we really don't. Like I, don't, I never feel like we're like phoning it in, but... I don't know why I, we work quickly. I, I don't know. 
So uh, we mentioned that the, you have another one. It's actually about to come out again. Uh, yeah. So we just just had the release of Skinless Pete, Kill That Bitch is coming out. Yeah. I have a movie coming out called Kill That Bitch, which is way less misogynistic than the title implies. You have, you have to see it to understand. I'm not saying it's not misogynistic. It's just not that misogynistic. Um, it, um, all, all I can, the only way I can describe it, and the reason it's not done is we have like this big sequence at the end that um, we, uh, we ran out of money to for. So uh, I think I've got everything I need and we can do that and it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and hopefully January will actually be when it comes out. So if we can premiere it in January, Robert, that'd be fantastic. And, uh, um, but the best way to describe it is it's, uh, it looks and feels like a gritty, grimy slasher, but there's there's something else going on. I, I, I don't think I could ever make just a straight-up slasher film. So there's there's another layer to it. There's something else going on that by the end, some people are going to be like, ah, oh, other people are going to be like, fuck you for doing what we do, but I don't care. And don't you get that a lot anyway, though? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jay, you worked with uh, Dustin on one of his films, Easter Casket. What is it like to work with, with Dustin? You know, he's really mean and he beats me all the time. It's true, I do. No, honestly, yeah. like, don't listen to him. He's a really good guy to work with. His, him and his crew and his lady are awesome. Ah, uh, So he's just very shy as I want to admit it. Right, so John. You guys are cool too, but. You know, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Saying, like sorry, everybody. <laughs> John, um, you, your film was the first film that we actually featured like film we aired on our channel, uh, Deadweight. Um, and I have to say, this is a true story. John Pata is the guy that has, is the reason why you are all here right now. Because, um, no, no, it was, uh, it was Whorehound, Indianapolis, September of 2012. And we, uh, you know, my, I brought my son to his first Horicon. Um, I'm not sure if I just made him disturbed and scarred or not. Um, and we're, you know, you pay for the nostalgia. You know, you get in, oh, I want some pictures with the cast from Aliens. That's cool. But, like, you get 30 seconds with them if you're lucky. Maybe 15. All right, I got my picture. Get the fuck out. Um, and that's generally how it goes. And so you spend all your time in the vendor rooms talking to people, um, getting to know the people at the tables. And there's you never know what films are sitting out there. You don't really know um, if they're any good or not. There's just a, you have to. It's kind of like the old days of going and renting a film where you would just look at the box cover and hope to God that was something you were interested in. Because you really had no way to know. And even if they you know, had a, a, a TV set up so that you can watch um, some preview or not, you really don't have, you know, previews we all know are fairly deceptive. So, uh, you know, I was thinking about that and I was talking to John and John was telling me about the struggles about making Dead Weight. And I've known John for a little bit further back, so I'm, it's not like I met him in September. But I just realized, wow, this impacts people I care about and I know and... It was really John's story and John's passion that made me think, my God, i got to do this. i got to do this. And it was John Petta uh, that put me in that spot. So It was Robert Poole that started it. So <laughs> Robert Poole has no motivation without. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so John, Dead Weight came out. Let, uh, basically, you got to premiere it at a theater in your hometown. What was that like? And uh, what has the reception been for your film? Uh, well, Dead Weight, which is playing next. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It is so next. you guys will see. But it's a uh, survival horror mixed with a post apocalyptic love story. And I, back home in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I'm the president of a nonprofit movie theater. And so 
It was, hey, we need to premiere a film. I have a theater. So um, back where, where I come from, and Derek's from that area too, very, very supportive, creative community. And, um, you know, we had over 800 people come out that weekend to see the film. Um, really great response. Very, very pleased. Uh, just very supportive, you know, in, in Wisconsin. And we're, for, we're from, it's, hey, we're going to make a film. Can anyone help us? And it was like we had 50 people right there saying, what can we do? You know, how can we help you? So it's, it's very much a community-based project. We dedicated to the state of, state of Wisconsin because we're big Wisconsinites. But, um, you know, it's been four, 16 months, I think it is, since we've released it. And we have distribution through Kino Lorber. So come January, the film will be in Redbox and iTunes and Netflix and Amazon and that sort of stuff. So if you can, if you have Netflix, DVD queue, you can save it right now. The more saves we get, I mean, the more copies they pick up, and then it'll go to instant streaming. So... Shameless plug. Uh, please do that. But it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind whirlwind of experience. I sold my business to finance the film, and basically have been jobless since. So uh, it's been yeah, it's been fun because I get to do things like this. So I'm very happy about it. So Derek um, Swamphead. Uh oh. It so. So what the fuck? Explain. Well, let's go on to the next person. Actually, explain what the hell you were thinking when you put that together, and like, uh, and really, I would love to know what people, what in audiences, audiences that have watched it live have said. I know Dustin here is a huge Swamphead fan. <laughs> okay, well, first I want to start out with saying I can take no credit in uh, the writing and directing of Swamphead. I was merely a producer and an editor and a DP and an effects guy and a sound guy. And, <laughs> And I acted in it, and I, but I didn't direct or um, write that film, a uh, film that we have uh, that's coming out soon called Hole in the Wall, which is a Wisconsin horror-based anthology. That's something that I actually wrote and direct, but Swamphead was a, a film that took six years uh, from gestational period until release. Well, it's not even really, well, I guess it's kind of released. Um, Briarwood Entertainment, as you saw at the beginning of the tag, um, has it and is releasing like a VHS DVD combo box. Like, back, like it's a throwback kind of thing. Um, but it's, it was the worst experience of my life making that film. Um, but it was also something that brought me an immense amount of joy because I am a fan of old, uh, John Waters and Herschel Gordon-Lewis and Frank Henenlotter and Troma films. And obviously you can see by the trailer, it emulates all of those in spades. Um, it's crass, it's stupid, it's um, brainless, it's plotless, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. And every single time that we've shown it at um, conventions or fil film festivals or or private screening screenings in my basement... Um, Every single last person's had a blast with it, and that's all we ever wanted out of it. Um, so I think a lot of people pay, uh, put too much attention toward having to find a, a film that that is legitimate, legitimate, um, and and makes them look like they they're making something that's super important. All we ever wanted to make was a film that people enjoyed and had a good time with. So um, if you're a fan of like trauma and stuff like that and poop jokes, you will love Swampin'. <laughs> Matt, you uh, you have something completely different than everybody else. Um, yeah, I love poop jokes. Well, okay, so the same but different um, in in the sense that uh, Papa Zero is a web series, or at least it started out that way, and we've kind of nabbed that and played that during our various times. Last, 
Um, first of all, what what's it like actually filming a series specifically knowing that it, the audience is YouTube and you're trying to get hits and obviously that works uh, as far as a revenue generator in that sense? Um, I don't really care about hits, to be honest with you. Um, we do it just for the love of making the film and stuff like that. If I like it, I mean, that may sound selfish, but that's good enough for me. <laughs> And uh, we're, we haven't even been around a year, and we got over 6,000 hits. So I don't know what we're doing right or wrong, but we're having fun doing it, and that's all that counts. So tell us just a little bit about the show. Like, What are some of the topics that you, you guys have covered so that the audience isn't aware? They can. Well, it started out um, January. I was on Facebook, and one of my buddies posted some ghost towns some pictures of ghost towns and stuff. So I called him up and I said, hey, let's do a documentary on it. He's like, all right, we'll do it in the spring. Well, two days later, he calls back. He goes, well, let's do a little, like, spoof on the Blair Witch. And I was game, so we did it. And I threw it on YouTube, see what happened. And two weeks later, we had, like, 200 hits. So it's going really good. But... um, Basically, we, we try not to do all the gore and stuff like that. We, we like to try to let the audience think what's going on and stuff like that. And uh, we're having fun doing it. Uh, we're in our second season. We already got three bagged right now. And we're talking about doing a straight dock on different urban legends and stuff around Michigan. So that's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, it's also, like I mentioned, he is a Michigan filmmaker, uh, um, you know, basically out of Flint. That is really cool because um, there's not really a lot of them that we've run into, at least on the channel. We've had a few that uh, came to us through Three Corp Circus. So, again, that's another reason why you want to go in and support those local film festivals because that's where you can find talent and, hey, they could be in your neighborhood, right? Um, just kind of go back to Derek. We'll just kind of bring it back around. That's what we do. Whoa. All right. So we have a procedure now. So this is less fun than it was before. Um, <laughs> Derek, hole in the wall, you had mentioned a little bit. Um, tell us about some of the stories that are going to be in the anthology because I know I've been kind of waiting for this for a little bit. It seems you, you built up anticipation. Well, good. We're doing our job, right? right. Um, hole in the wall originally started as a project that came about because of Mr. John Pata, actually, because uh, he runs a horror film festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin at the nonprofit theater um, every single year called the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival. And it, um, because of all the people, originally it was just Wisconsin-based horror filmmakers that uh, were participants in this. And now this year, this past year, it was opened up to just anyone across the globe. But originally it was just Wisconsin-based filmmakers, and the first couple of years that we, we did it, um, all the people involved really got along, and there was a sense of community that was established. And through this, um, subsequently I got to work on Deadweight with John, and uh, worked on a bunch of other films with the other filmmakers that were involved with the, the Horror Film Festival, and... I went to John, and I went to my dear friend Corey Udler, who's the director of the Incest Death Squad uh, series, and we were just like, what's a good way that we can get together and collaborate and make a movie together, and also highlight what we feel is a burgeoning Wisconsin horror film scene, and uh, the best way was we were going to make an anthology film. Um, Because of our sensibilities, um, the film is fucked up, 
So it's it's got it's got uh, my my film uh, called The Plainfield Chopper, uh, starring the amazing Greg Johnson, who's also the star of the Incest Death Squad series. Um, it's more of a like a Herschel Gordon Lewis Gorgor Girls kind of thing. And then uh, Greg Johnson directed something of his own that's a throwback to Divine Era John Waters, which I I think most people will have no fucking idea what it is, but I love it dearly, and that's exactly the kind of films that I love and I and I want to make. And then uh, Corey Adler has a piece called Ed Gein DDS um, that is really really fun in the spirit of like shot on video and. Uh, Trauma and Ted B. Michaels and stuff like that. And we also have the director of Swamphead, um, Justin Propp, is doing a piece called The Cave of Abdominal Delights, which is about uh, a Sasquatch that kills a bunch of uh, uh, people that make hunting videos, and he has rock hard abs. Um, <laughs> and Screaming Like Banshees, Rob Michaels and Carolyn Baker, um, but um, they made probably the most single-handedly fucked up piece in the entire film. And I've already got kicked out of the bar here in the American Legion because I said fuck too much. They d- apparently don't like it when you say fuck here. And, no, it's probably not a good thing, and they already <laughs> kicked me out. But I say it a lot. They made a police call, a piece called Scumbag, which is... It is wrong. And uh, it, it almost starts out our movie. So... Um, it's not going to be a piece for everyone. We never intended it to be a piece for everyone. Um, we've every single piece that I've been a part of, from uh, John's Dead Weight to Swamp Head to the documentary that I edited for Jason Paul Collins, Screaming in High Heels, has always been about something that we felt passionate about and something we believe in. And if it, it, it it'll find marketability through the passion that you know we put a quality product that's out there and. If people dig it, cool, they dig it. If not, whatever. We, we're making, we make this kind of stuff we want to see. And if people dig it, we love it. We, we really appreciate the few people that really get into the stuff. So I'll stop talking now. That's hole in the wall is basically the kind of movies we love and grew up on. John, you're actually shooting a, a new, well, you may be done by now, right? You're completed. You just completed a new short called Pity. Give us a little bit of a synopsis about what that's about. Okay, so uh, if there's any grindcore fans in the audience, there's a band called Pig Destroyer that uh, they have an album called Prowler in the Yard, and in that album there's a four-paragraph story, and the whole album kind of is a concept album about, about that story. Came over to a friend's house eight years ago, and he's like, read this, and I read it, and I was like, wow, that is, I remember my words exactly, I was like, that is the most beautifully disturbing story I've ever read. That should be a film. So, in the beginning of this year, I reached out to the band and I secured the rights to make an adaptation of that story. So, we just shot it last weekend in Wisconsin, and the whole film takes place inside a car. And it is about a gentleman who is sitting outside his ex-girlfriend's house during a rainstorm in his parked car as he is preparing himself to go in and confront her. But it's a very, very grim story. Uh, It'll probably only be about five or six minutes long. But we just shot it last weekend. Going to be in post-production for about the next two and a half months and hoping to have it out end of January, beginning of February. And so hopefully we'll get it on Indie Horror TV. So, you know, I, I just because I'm standing here, by the way, doesn't mean that you have pressure to debut your films. <laughs> so if you don't show your film on Indie Horror TV, I'm going to have to cut the mic right no, now. Well, uh, we would love to. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Dustin, I have 
uh, you know, I'm trying to think of, because uh, we've had two director's chats, actually, believe it or not, and uh, somehow you can continue to come back for more. Um, don't know why. Uh, but you have made some of the most fucked up stuff I have ever seen in my entire life. And that's, I mean that as a compliment, because obviously I just showed people found. Yeah. Um, so, like, clearly I like that kind of stuff. What would you think, so out of all the films that you've, and I know you've gotten reactions, what film has drawn the craziest reactions? <laughs> and, and give us some examples of that. I, I mean, there's crazy negative reactions, like, fuck you, kill yourself, stop making movies. <laughs> that happens. Is anybody here from Scream Magazine? Because if you are, go fuck yourself, I hate you. Because they, yeah, they literally said that about Pub Monster Massacre, which is a movie I kind of like. Because um, I made it. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I guess maybe... Uh, I'll approach it this way. Pub Monster Massacre, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a horror movie that's done entirely with puppets, like Muppet-looking puppets. And it's um, bloody, and there are puppet boobs in it, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Puppet sex scenes. There's puppet sex scenes. Yes. Um, <laughs> It's like if Jim Henson made a made a horror movie in the eighties, and he's not kidding. It actually looks like it. That. Pretty much is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it looks like a, it looks like a kids show, but it's totally disgusting and weird, and really silly. But what we found out, um, my girlfriend and I, and I apologize if any of you in the audience are these people, but there are puppet people in the world, and we're not puppet people. We just like we really like the Muppets, and I made a puppet movie. But there are people who like live a lifestyle. That involves puppets that they like talk to and carry around with them. And apparently, if you make a movie about puppets, they will find you and they will think that you are a puppet person. <laughs> which, le- which led to some really uncomfortable situations. Didn't it, Sweet Pea? She's laughing back there. It, yeah, we've met some interesting folks who like, they'll be like, can I just like act it out? Like, if this is our, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get active. If that's our table, pretend this is one of the puppets from the movie, and you'll see this at a convention. Hold on. And then they go, and they get their fucking puppet that they just carry around with them in their car, and they come back, and they try to talk to the puppet that's on the table. And I, Erica's a lot more polite than I am, so she'll talk to them. I instantly go into do not engage. So I'm just like... I go into like, don't make eye contact, don't talk to these people, and Erica's like, oh, that's your, that's your puppet, and they're like, yeah, this is, this is Zazzle, and he's my friend, and it's like, right, yeah, <laughs> and then they never leave the table, and it's, um, that's, I guess that's the craziest thing I can think of, is those puppet people, maybe that's why I haven't made another puppet movie, I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's, Revenge of the Puppet People. Yeah, oh, I should make a... Oh, man, I should make a movie about well, you, puppets. You were talking at one point about a Puppet Monster Massacre 2. You got your plot, I think. I do want to make a Puppet Monster Massacre 2. Here, here's the thing about Puppet Monster Massacre 1, to, to explain why there's not a Puppet Monster Massacre 2 yet. Puppet Monster Massacre 1 almost killed me because um, I had no puppeteers. Uh, I puppeteered every puppet in the movie, which meant that in scenes where there... There's literally one point where there are 400 puppets on screen... Uh, soldiers, I had to puppeteer them all individually and then composite them together in the computer. It took um, half a year to film, um, pretty much nonstop, and then over a year of post-production to get the movie done, and the sequel is bigger. So I have to find a way to be able to afford to make it and to make it without uh, dying. But I do want to make it, so hopefully someday. 
I feel like you've met enough puppet people now that might want to help. Um, yeah, I don't want them on my... I don't want them in my house, near my pets. Uh, so, uh, Tyler, tell us a little bit about Midnight Frights. I mean, um, you know, you work with Josh Wexelman, right? Is that, yeah. is that the right way to say his name? I'm jo- yeah, that's how I say it. He says it differently, but I, 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 don't, I usually don't pay well, attention. So Yeah, so Josh W., uh, yeah. Tell me what it's like working with you know with him as your co-collaborator and and um, how the Midnight series or the Midnight Fright series has worked for you so far. Um, working with Josh is you're taping this right. Yeah. Working with Josh <laughs> sometimes oh. kind of sucks. Um, he is a far uh, more enthusiastic person than I am. Um, we're both pretty negative, but it, like he's the kind of guy that says we got to get this done. And he won't go away until it's done. And usually that means I'm staying up till four in the morning, working on post production for something. So working with Josh is, you know, I mean, like it's he's like, I don't want to say he's my better half. That just sounds weird. But <laughs> but he's seriously he seriously is like the uh, driving force behind us getting shit done, stuff done. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get kicked out. Yeah, I haven't sworn at all the whole time. (laughs) We were doing that. We would have funded a film by now, I'm sure. Or at least one of our films. So um, the second season is coming out. You said you've got a couple that you've already started working on? We have stuff written for the second season. Um, It's just a matter of I've decided that after remission I needed to take a break. And so I'm not... I'm not touching my camera or my computer until the end of December. So it's pretty much up to me. We have some stuff written. We're actually going to be, we have some people that have helped us out with a lot of production stuff that are all writers and actors and stuff like that. They all have ideas. So we're going to try and bring in some more people and kind of make it into a big collaborative thing. Because, I mean, like, we've, with remission, like, in a year, since we started Remission, we have made, like, I've made some of the best friends of my life. And, like, it's just amazing how tightly knit such a, this little group can be. I mean, it's just, it's just so weird. Like, you, you guys are talking about community. It's, it's there. You just got to reach out and find it. And I noticed that we, there are, like, pockets of independent film groups and states. I've noticed, like, we've had one whole night that was dedicated to Nebraska filmmakers because we had enough stuff to work with. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, it's really weird. I actually lived in the area that uh, Derek and John lived in, and when I was there, there was shit, by the way. I just want to say that sucks really bad. Uh, I leave, and all this cool stuff happens. Uh, so, But no, there's a, the Oshkosh-Appleton area really is like flooded with great filmmakers and a lot of brilliant minds. In Ohio, you know, we, we've met, obviously, Dustin, there's Sean Burkett and Ryan Stacy. There's a whole bunch of people in the Ohio area. So I feel like um, in the Midwest specifically, there are a lot of really amazing filmmakers that just haven't had the ability to get their stuff out to people. So uh, that's one of the things that we've been able to do, and I, I feel really proud of that. Um, does anybody have any questions for any of our guests tonight? Um, so the beauty of independent film is that you can do whatever you want, right? Um, there's no uh, big brother telling me what you can and can't do. Um, but there are certain limitations, funding and whatnot. Um, uh, so this, this kind of goes to the whole panel. Is there anything you've ever wanted to do in one of your films that you haven't been able to do? Oh, Derek's got something. Here. Oh, okay. All I have to say is watch Swamp Head, and you know that no 
there is nothing that we've wanted to do that we haven't done. Um, there's literally okay. So this is this is something there, and I know Dustin's also coming to this. I'm sure at some point is that we've had people kind of come back at us because we do we do not give a fuck. I think a little too much, and um, Swamphead has some characters that people feel are, and we've had. And I respect anyone that that believes this because art is subjective, and we don't we don't sit and make things to please everyone. But I think at the same time, I think humor is also wildly subjective, and I think in the in the guise of humor, you should be able to talk about just about anything. Um, Swamphead has characters in it. Let's just say there is one character who is mentally challenged and covered in poop most of the movie. And uh, we've had some really bad reactions to this, um, to the point where we don't, some people have denied us screenings. Um, can I defend this? No. But, um, <laughs> but we, well, well hey, I, I believe in, because as I've said before, I'm a huge fan of John Waters, and he was a person that believed in in art and being able to speak your mind and be able to put whatever you wanted out there and let the audience decide for themselves. And I, I, I will always go behind that uh, for everything that I do because I don't really care about getting the mass culture believing in what I do because I was never part of that in my film viewing when I grew up. I always liked fringe cinema. And Swamphead definitely is fringe cinema. And Hole in the Wall is for sure fringe cinema. Because it, it totally harkens back to everything that we we love, and um, so I I think if in the indie scene it gives you that opportunity to be able to say whatever you want, will it limit you in the long run selling those movies? Absolutely. But will you feel good at the end of the day that you actually said what you wanted to? Yeah. Something never done that I wish I could do is pay everyone that works on the film. And I mean, that's, that's, that's like totally true. Um, just speaking for Deadweight, for example, feature length film we shot in 10 days. Seven of those days were in eight, at the end of April. Three of those days were in August. Uh, first day, gale force winds. We're standing in open field with 60 mile per hour winds. Everyone leaves with windburn. Second day, we're sitting around campfire for six hours. Everyone is inhaling so much smoke that they get sick for the rest of the shoot. Third day, uh, or April 19th in Wisconsin, hey, it's beautiful spring day, right? No, fuck you, 12 inches of snow in tw two hours. We have to film in the middle of a blizzard. We have to rewrite our scenes, find new locations. Fourth day is because it's Wisconsin, it's the Midwest. Now it's 60 degrees out, and everything that was snowed on is now melting. So we are standing on a functioning farm, new location, ankle deep in slush and cow shit. And... 90% of that cast and crew never got a penny. We had SAG actors, so we had to pay the SAG actors. We had a professional DP, so we paid him. Aside from that, it was all volunteer-based. We put our cast and crew through shit. And I mean, that, that goes probably for any independent film. 16-hour days, worse conditions, you're eating peanut butter sandwiches, and they're there because they love it. And they're there, and they're busting their ass. And the best you can do is say, thank you, we're going to get this film out there. I would love to say thank you. Here's five hundred dollars for your work. Thank you. Here's a thousand dollars. Here's two hundred dollars. I don't care. Here's something. Just don't have the budget to do that. So someday, everyone will get paid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and late. 
I agree with everything John just, that's totally true. Um, and I think it's something people don't realize a lot of times, especially people who knock what we do, because those people exist, is that you don't, sort of don't realize like how much it is really just fueled by passion and how can you hate something that is just literally fueled by will and passion. Um, something that I wanted to add is that, and this doesn't, uh, this won't work for every kind of film. Like this, John who makes like good movies, this won't work for him. But the, <laughs> but my my like my my sort of theory of filmmaking is that like if any of you've seen my films, um, I have giant rabbits attack cities. I things blow up, people blow up, all this shit happens, and it costs nothing, and it looks ridiculous. But um, uh, my theory is just that if you want to do something, if you want to represent something visually, it's better to try to make it look awesome than to make it look realistic. So I've never really come up against that wall where I'm like, oh, I can't have a 747 crash into the giant Sasquatch. Of course I fucking can. It's going to look stupid, but, you know, like maybe that's part of the fun. And one of the biggest, like, validations for me as a filmmaker was, I don't know, have any of you guys heard this movie called Manborg? Oh, yeah. Have you guys seen Manborg? If you haven't seen Manborg, go fucking buy Manborg right now. Go watch Deadweight. Go watch Manborg. Fuck, fuck Deadweight. Go get... No, I'm just kidding. Deadweight... It, I haven't seen Deadweight, but I'm about to. Um, anyway, Manborg is $7.50 on Amazon right now, and I suck this movie's dick, sorry to be crass, all the time, because it was made, it was made by Canadians for $1,000 Canadian, and they did the most amazing and ridiculous stuff you've ever seen, and, like, they operated on the same sort of wavelength that I do when I make my movies, so, like... Even though Stephen Kostansky is like my age or younger and probably in the exact same position I am, he's like my hero. So every time I talk to him, I'm like, Stephen, your movie's so good. I just love it. Manborg's the best. You know, like, I, I can't help it. They made another movie called Father's Day 2, which a lot of people really dig. And, you know, if you like Manborg and stuff, you should check that out. Anyway, my point is, I'm sorry I'm rambling, is that if, if you have the drive to figure out how to do it, you can almost represent just about anything on screen. You just have to find a way to do it. And you have to be okay with it not looking awesome. Because like I just said, like if you're trying to make like, like I use the term good movie, like John makes like good like movies that look like real movies. Like my movies don't look like real movies. Like you can't get away with it. But otherwise build shit out of cardboard, uh, buy toy airplanes like I did, like do whatever you can to get your ridiculousness on screen. So I'm done Right. Any other questions from the audience? I don't know. We have the camera. Sorry. All right. Well, thanks, thanks to everybody, by the way, for being up here and for coming to the party, and of course for letting us hear your work. <laughs> that has been a, a key uh, piece to why this channel has worked. We've had such a wide variety of films, some really talented filmmakers, and we're proud of every single piece of work that we've been able to air and promote. And uh, I, I can't express my gratitude enough. Thank you all so very much. Thank you. Thank you.
I'm Doug the Geek. And I'm Ashley the Academic. And we're, and the, we're hosts the hosts of the Above the... the, the <laughs> what, what are you doing? We're supposed to say the title of the show, the Above the Line podcast. Yeah, we're supposed to say it together, you dullard. Now, uh, let's try it again. And we're the hosts of no, the... No, no, not yet. Hold on. <sighs> I'm just kidding. Go for it. And we're the hosts of the Above of the... the oh. Come on! Okay, okay, forget that. Just tell them where they can find us. Find the Above the Line podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook.com slash the Above Line Podcast, or just check us out at AboveLinePodcast.com. We cover the best and most interesting films in the history of cinema from both my own geeky perspective and my more cultured academic perspective. And it's fun. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, sort of. So check us out. The Above, the Above, Line, Above the Line Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, you were still off. I got further in my first movie than you got in your first 10 movies. The technical flaws and your amateurish artwork, for that matter. Art, what's wrong? Why would they want to invest in your movies? Don't they know you suck? To average people, I look incapable of making a movie. <laughs> That's what somebody who's seen your movie might say. I don't mean to be director, but I don't think she should be laughing. Are you going to force me to kiss you? How can anyone make the wrong assumption about the title? You're calling the movie Autopsy Turvy. Is this a Nazi movie? That's why they always hire fat, disgusting girls. Comedies about porn make a lot of money. Cash cow, say moo. Cash cow, say moo. Cash cows. <laughs> he said it would be bad for me to have a movie called Rape by a Rapist on my resume. So it has raped twice. Rape by a Rapist. All I saw was the lowest common denominator. Anybody could have made the stupid jokes that are in here. I got you banned from Texas. Is there any other conventions you want to be exiled from? He was so offended that he called the acquisitions department and threatened that if they don't ban all of your movies, he's going to go up the corporate ladder. Welcome back, everybody, to Astro Radio Z. I'm your host, Derek Carey. Hope you enjoyed the director's panel that we just had playing before. Um, that was something that I had talked about previously on an episode that I went to in Michigan. Uh, Robert Poole, the organizer of IndieHorror.tv, uh, asked me and my friend uh, John Pata, director of Dead Weight, uh, to come on in and sit in on a director's panel. Obviously, he had me come in for Swamphead. But uh, I did not direct that one. Um, but he allowed me to talk about Hole in the Wall a little bit, which was cool. Um, I had a real good time at that. You can go back a few episodes and listen to my thoughts on the whole party, whatnot. So I'm not going to regurgitate it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. The clip you heard just a little bit uh, ago, right before the music that played, was the trailer to Bilzebub's newest film, Indie Director, which is the story of a low-budget independent film director who's going through the dregs of having to sell his films on the convention circuit, getting kicked out of conventions, having distributors not want his films because of subject matter, um, having fans look at him as if he's a joke because he sells films, you know, basically out of a, a suitcase, and uh, what it's like in the life of someone that does that. And as he watches all the rest of these filmmakers or these contemporaries, we'll say, get deals when all they do is talk. 
and they don't deliver a single fucking thing when they could have just went to him and he could give them a marketable, deliverable product on very little money. Indie directors, it's something that I got to the pleasure of meeting Mr. Bilzebub back at Cinema Wasteland in April of 2013. He's a pretty genuine and honest guy, and it's very apparent in Indie Director that this is almost an exorcism. This is, if you want to watch a film where a director literally goes and gives you his thoughts and his life story of what it's like to be him, you got it laid all out before you. Of course, stuff is taken to the extreme. Bill plays himself in a very tongue-in-cheek manner, really over the top, but the situations that happen to him through the course of the film are legitimate. They're things that happen to every single last person that are standing in his shoes that go through and make films on a 10-cent budget and then try to get, you know, push them out there to the public and kind of the situations that come about because of the, the films that he makes. He makes films that are Scream Queen films. He makes roughies. He makes uh, monster movies, hokey monster movies. He makes black metal because he was a, uh, a metal journalist and still is uh, for a very long time. He makes documentaries on heavy metal and black metal in that society. And uh, his films are all over the map. He also makes custom movies for people that come up to him, fans, and uh, people that have the money to be able to fund stuff and say, hey, I want this kind of film made. If anyone had seen J.T. Petty's Sandman, which is kind of like a horror film mixed with a documentary. Uh, Bill is in that film, and you kind of get a little bit of an idea of, you know, a lot of people come up to him wanting to make specialty movies because he makes titty movies. Those are That's one of the genre that he makes. He makes roughies, and he also makes titty movies. Indie Director is a little bit more of Bill's take on it, and uh, it's done in classic Bill style which for better or worse, you can discern yourself whether or not you know, you're know you into the really low budget thing. I think Bill's films are getting a lot better than they used to be, but they're still rough. I find them extremely charming and I, I really enjoy them a lot because I think Bill puts a lot more into them than a lot of his contemporaries do. I think there is you know a head working behind the madness of these extremely low budget films. Um, I think his craft is getting better. His point of view and his ire are getting much more pointed, which I think is, is suiting the films a lot better. An indie director, for anyone who's interested in the low-budget scene and what it's like to actually have to like whore yourself out to get anyone to pay attention to you, Indie Director is a phenomenal film. I really enjoyed it. By its nature, because of how it looks and the sound and the editing and everything, it's not going to appeal to everyone. It's not going to appeal to everyone that is used to a Hollywood film. Bill is anti-Hollywood. Bill is do-it-yourself. He is punk rock. Even though he's a metal dude, and you probably would hate that I said his film's punk rock, but his, his film is gorilla. It's do-it-yourself, fuck everyone else, and make the kind of film you want to make for the people you want to make it for. I recommend it, big time. The other film that I wanted to kind of talk about that tied into kind of like the indie horror panel that I had proceeding was uh, Director's Cut by Christopher Collar and uh, Claire Fluff Llewellyn, a filmmaking combo dual team that come out of Chicago, Illinois. It's kind of along the same lines. It's a kind of, 
you know, the story of a, a low-budget independent film uh, director that's looking to make what he feels is the greatest film of all time. But of course, he has two dimes to rub together, and he wants women to, you know, get topless and monsters and over-the-top shit, and he's a complete prima donna. And uh, everyone keeps dropping out on him until he finally meets this genie. And he doesn't realize it's an actual genie played by uh, Fluff. And she pretty much grants him whatever wish that he wants. But of course, there's a little bit of a price to pay. So they don't always turn out the way, these wishes don't always turn out the way that he envisions them to. Running at a little more than an hour, Director's Cut was a hell of a lot of fun. I love seeing, you know, low-budget, no-budget independent films that while they may have a lot stacked against them in the technical department, the story and the pacing and the editing is super fun. There's a lot going on. They embrace the look and the feel and uh, some of the technical ineptities and really just forget about it and just go for broke. I really enjoy these. They're, they've had a few films now that they've made that I've really enjoyed, but this one was super fun. And uh, it also has that feel like Bill's above, like it's a confessional, like it's, hey, we want to show you. And I know this is, you know, it's been done a million times now, the, the Hollywood confessional, in those, the independent scene confessional, the Hollywood confessional film where you get the, you know, the behind the scenes and the dirt of what's going on behind the scenes with all of these movies and what people have to actually go through. Um, but these two films in particular... I found really refreshing because one, they they didn't sit and like pander and have to like make themselves out to be, you know, these high and mighty look at these creative forces and they they took shots at themselves and they took shots at everyone around them and just tried to show even though director's cut is a little bit more of a B film. And what I mean by that is it has monsters and it has, you know, it just has the sensibility of a more, I guess, goofy, fantastical horror film than Beelzebub's. But they both very much exposés on the life of a no-budget, micro-budget, uh, sleaze, independent horror director. And I recommend them both. Now, Director's Cut, I believe, may be out on DVD Hopefully you can uh, check it out. Go on Facebook. You can find it. Otherwise, get a hold of Chris uh, Christopher Collar, and uh, that's K A H L E R or Claire Fluff Llewellyn. They're both on the Twitter. They're both on Facebook. And the director's cut has a Facebook page. Now you can find Bill Zabub's movies at Bill Zabub's website. Just Google him up. You'll find it. You can buy it through him. You can buy it through Amazon.com. Uh, that's where I got it indie director is I feel really bad that I didn't put it on my top uh, list that we had the episode with Andrew and uh, Mark that just happened but honestly it is uh, it, it should have been in there it's it was one of my favorite films that happened this year for fans of no budget cinema yes Bill above has some talks about some stuff at times that may make some listeners of Astro Radio Z uncomfortable, but that's kind of the point of what he goes for. He he goes for broke. He he feels that nothing should be off limits. He feels language shouldn't be off limits, so there's a lot of words and things that are said that a lot of 
people that listen to my show may be uncomfortable with. But you know what? Film should make you uncomfortable. You should be able to talk about anything you want to in your films, especially when you're funding these films or you're getting tiny little budgets and you're not appealing to the mass culture. It's kind of the point of Bill's film is make the movies you want to make. Don't make movies to have to compete with the Joneses. Don't make movies that have to compete and be the same fucking regurgitated bullshit that you see a million times. Why do you want to make another just blasé slasher film? What's the point of that? Why do you want to make another zombie film? There's already a million and a half of those. And I think Bill, he talks the talk and walks his walk, and he makes the films he wants to make. Sure, sometimes he gets contracted to make some sleazy titty movies, but uh, all in all, any director is, you know, him talking the talk and walking the walk. Uh, so I would recommend it highly. I would check out and watch Bill's Above. He's not for everyone. But I know Corey Udler, the other host of Astro Radio Z, and myself both endorse Bill's Above. We think his films, even though a lot of people <laughs> tend to think that they're just crap, I don't agree. I think... I think Bill's above. He always is constantly doing something I'm not expecting him to do. So uh, check out Indie Director. Check out Director's Cut. Uh, they're both great, no-budget exposés on the independent horror scene. And that'll be it for Astro Radio Z this week. I'm your host, Derek Carey. Obviously, you can check me out on Facebook, on Twitter. You can check out some of my projects, my upcoming film with Corey, A Hole in the Wall. That's on Facebook. You can also check out another podcast that we have going on now, me, Mark the Movie Man, and some of the others from our, fil our film group on Facebook, Film Jerks. We have a podcast that's on Podomatic now. It's also on Stitcher and on iTunes. Go follow it. It's a, it's a group that on Facebook where we all, I, I select a, a person and they, they pick three films. The group chooses between those three films and we all watch the one film that wins out, and then we have a podcast where we sit and talk about it. It's really fun. We have three episodes in right now. Our last one was about the Japanese horror film, a 2010 cold fish that we all loved, and if any fans of Astro Radio Z should just fucking flock to that film. Super great film. But uh, go ahead and check that out as well. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, I'm going to drop a little bomb here. The crew that we usually have on for our roundtable discussions... We've started the arduous task of watching all 13 of the Witchcraft films. And we will be doing a multi-episode retrospective on the Witchcraft films. So watch for that. That's going to be the next few episodes of Astro Radio Z. Hope you guys all had a great holiday break and Happy New Year. And welcome 2014. Astro Radio Z is going to live on. See you later, folks.